I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles again to the book of 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 2. In God's providence, I'm always amazed at how He brings His Word to us and how it fits into what's happening in the church life in practice. For instance, today we're looking at verses 4 to 8 and next Sunday when we're doing the baptismal service, look at verses 9 to 10. And in God's providence, it's all about proclaiming His goodness. And isn't that what we're doing at a baptism service? So He has His way with us. And we need to just faithfully carry on and proclaim His Word, work through it. So as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read from verses 1 to 10 this morning. Chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice, and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to Him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but, it's choice, but, it, but is choice and precious in the, in the sight of God, Let me read that verse again. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This past week in the media, we've seen striking images and heard the news of the shocking events down in, the Christ, in, in Christchurch in the South Island. As that quake hit very, very early in the morning, unexpected, the, geolog- the, the geologists didn't even know about it, and there it was. 4.30 in the morning. And you know, as I saw those images, it was very striking to see those old buildings with their stonework. And those were the ones that suffered the most, was those old stonework buildings. And it was so sad in a way to see those diggers come in and to pull those massive blocks down. 
And it just brought to mind what a firm foundation we have in Jesus Christ. That even though things come against us in life, even though we confront death, even though our bank balances suddenly go to zero because of things that are happening in our lives, Christ is a firm foundation if you know Him. And I just wondered how many of those people in the South Island turned their eyes to Christ. You know, God's mercy was displayed this last week. Why do I say that? Even in the middle of that earthquake, at 4.30 in the morning, it could have been the Lord Himself who came, not an earthquake. How many of those people were ready? They weren't expecting anything. And yet in His mercy, God rather sent an earthquake to wake them up. And I know it's easy saying that here from safe North Island, but that was what was on my mind. Lord, you are merciful. At least it was an earthquake for those people. There is still time. And my prayer goes that the Lord would turn eyes to him, even in this hard time. Can I ask you to just put up the slide, the second slide there? I want us to look at this text this morning to see where we're going. Because once you've got the context, we can actually climb into the text itself. Just look at these verses, verses 4 to 9. As you come to Him, you yourselves are being built up to be a holy priesthood, verse 9, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. Do you see what, what's happening there? As we are coming to Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, something is happening to us. We are being built up. There are two things that has to happen so that we can be a holy priesthood, firstly. We're going to talk about that this morning and so that we can proclaim His excellencies. And we'll talk about that next week at the baptism service. So that's the big picture of where we're going today. But we're going to be looking at these various stones that are described in this text, verses 4 to 8 this morning. And it's quite an amazing text. This is one of the most upbuilding texts in Scripture, which speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, Him at the center of our Christian lives. And we see that he's described in verse 1, firstly, as a living stone. Verse 4 says, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Don't miss those first two, verse, those first two words in that verse. And coming to him. Do you note what tense it is in there? It's in the continuous tense. And coming to him. You see, if you glance back at verse 3 and verse 2 and verse 1, we were told there to come to Him as newborn lambs and to taste of His goodness, to come to Him for sustenance. And now He carries on, the Apostle Peter says, and while you are coming to Him for sustenance, look who you are coming to. You are coming to the living stone. You see, his theme right through the book of First Peter up to now has been the living Christ. In chapter 1, verse 13, he was described as the living hope. Glance back in chapter 1. 
in chapter 1, verse 23, he was described as the living word. And now we have the living stone. He's a living and risen Savior that we serve. And it's come so alive to me this week. We serve a risen Savior. Death has lost its thing. You see, our Savior is living as opposed to stone dead, as most other heroes of all other faiths. They are stone dead heroes. Christ is a living Savior. He's not just a living stone. He is described here as a stone. And the specific word used here is the word lithos, which means a prepared and shaped stone. That is Christ. He was prepared before all time by His Father for a very, very specific role in history. And yet the sad thing was that He was rejected by men. You see, our verse says, Psalm 118 verse 2 is actually quoted, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You see, Christ the living stone did not fit into the Jews' picture of the Savior that they were looking for, the Messiah. And so what did they do? They rejected Him. They pushed Him away. You see, He wouldn't fit into their plans. He wouldn't fit into their schemes. He wouldn't comply to being like the rest of the religious leaders. And so they pushed Him away. Men rejected Christ. And they crucified the living Savior on a cross of wood. Has anything changed today? Those Jews of yesteryear were mere men, weren't they? They were men like you and I, ladies and you're included in that. They were like us. Why? Because we still reject Him. You just look around you and you might be one of those. We still reject His gospel message, don't we? Nothing's changed in the years. The uniform is the only thing that's changed. Inside, we're all the same. I just heard with open eyes as the Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister of Australia, who is an outspoken and confirmed atheist, said the following when she was appointed. Open the curtains and let the sun come in. Here's an atheist presuming on God. Because who gives her that son? It's God. And yet she says, I don't believe in him. You see, we still reject Christ today. What about you? Is Christ first in your life? And as I look across you all here in the people of, of the amount of numbers we've got here today, there must be some who don't know him. Maybe He's not fitting into your plans. Maybe Christ isn't fitting into your expectations, your demands. Maybe He isn't first priority in your life. Maybe you've also rejected Him. You see, Christ, the living and prepared stone, was rejected by men. But, and there's a beautiful but in Scripture. What is that? But in the sight of God, He was chosen and precious. Men might have rejected Christ Jesus, but in God's sight, He was chosen and precious. That word chosen means I put my finger on one specific one and then I build my wall around Him. He is selected. He's chosen. What did God say about His chosen Son 
Can you remember those words when Jesus was baptized in the river? What were the words that rang out so that men all over the place could hear? It was God His Father speaking. What was He saying? God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, He is the one. I am pleased with Him. He is the one. He's chosen. What did God the Father again say at Jesus' transfiguration? This is what He said. He said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And those words rang out there so that people could hear. Matthew 17 verse 5. And then Peter says it too, earlier in chapter 1 verse 20. He says, Jesus Christ was the foreknown, and that word is the same as chosen one. And we looked at that earlier when we studied that text. Jesus was the foreknown or chosen before the foundation of the world one. He is the one Christ Jesus at the center of God's plan of salvation. You see, today's life is not just about a random life. There is a plan, and Christ Jesus is at the center of it. He is God's chosen one for the task. And so the stone that was rejected and worthless, seen as worthless by men, was not just chosen by God, but also precious in God's sight. Why? Because God sent His only Son to die for us, didn't He? What a gift that was to us on earth. God sent His only, His precious, His honoured, His prized, His highly valued Son to earth to get crucified by men who rejected Him. You see, the rejection of men cannot alter the fixed value God puts on His Son. And the same is today. Even though men around us, even though people all over the world still reject the Lord Jesus Christ, His value is the same to God the Father. He is God's chosen one. Nothing has changed. He is the living stone. Secondly, we see in our text verse 5, and here's the comfort for us today. Here's where we get our energy from. Because those first two words should really boost your batteries. What does it say there? In my text it says, You also, as living stones, wow, that's an amazing text, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, those two words, you also, say amazing things to us. What does it say to us? It says that as we as believers come to Him, the living stone, the very life that exists in Him is put into us. When did that happen? When we came to Him and we submitted and bowed the knee to Him and His life was put into us. We were regenerated is the, is the theological term. And we at that point became living stones as well. You see, God took our cold, stony hearts and He put life into that stone. And He made it a living stone, like the Lord Jesus Christ. That same word is used of us. And so where Christ is a lithos, a shaped stone, we too are shaped stones. We too are precious in God's sight. We too have a purpose. We are living stones. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Listen to these words. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know who I saw that in? In Neville. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I don't want to give my whole funeral sermon here, but I can hear what's coming. You see, Neville was lying on a bed. He couldn't use his legs. And yet he was running that race full tilt because Christ was living in him. We are living stones. We are chosen. We are precious in God's sight. But you know, something else happens to you and I. We don't just become living stones. Christ then takes us and we become, and the Greek word here is the word petros. It's like a loose stone that's just lying around. Instead of becoming just loose stones, Christ has taken us and He has shaped us. And now we become chosen and precious. And then He takes that shaped stone and He builds us into His house, into Him. You see, He's building us into a great spiritual house. As we come to this living stone, we are being built up. And He doesn't just build us up inside. He builds us up with other believers into a great edifice which brings glory to Him. He is building us. As you look around this congregation, just have a look. They're ugly. They're pretty. They're fat. They're thin. But God is building us all into His spiritual house. And do you see why this previous text that we've been looking at, where we are to love each other, is so important? Because we are all being built into the same home, into Christ's home, into Christ. And that's why we are to look out and look after each other. Christ is building us up. Someone outside of you is deliberately taking you and placing you into a specific place in that building and then shaping others around you and you to others. You see, God is building His church. And He's integrating us with other believers. But more important, He's integrating us with Himself. Isn't that encouraging to you? Just imagine how encouraging this was to the readers of this letter. Remember who this letter was written to? To people on the run. Christians who are being scattered because of their love for Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Peter sends a letter chasing after these Christians... To, to get them, to encourage them in the Lord. And so they get this letter to say, don't worry, God knows what you're going through because He is building you up. Even in the situation that you're in, God knows about you. He is building you into His building, into Himself. But you know, there's a warning there for you and I as believers. It's the me, myself and I warning. Because you see, too often as believers, we think that we can build ourselves into this building. Don't we? God is the active party here. I haven't ever seen a one stone building. Have you seen a one stone building? Any builders here? I oh, know you're doing wood these days. A one stone building. There is no one stone building. Builders put stones together to make a building. Christ joins you and I together to other living stones to shape us into the church. The church local here at Whanganui East and the church worldwide. We call it the church universal. And that includes those who are there now in heaven. 
And that includes Neville. He's part of the church universal that God has been shaping. So that little song, I did it my way, doesn't apply in the church life, all right? We do it his way because he is the master builder. You know, and then some of us are lone ranger Christians too. We think that we can survive on our own. I don't need to go to church. I can survive on my own. I just read God's word and I can make it. Well, that's in contravention to what God is saying here. He's saying, where am I building you? One stone building? And you know those butterfly Christians, they flit from church to church, never settling down, never being shaped into a building? Yes, our fellow believers drive us crazy. I know. I'm a pastor here. They test our patience. They bicker amongst each other. Yes, believers are pig-headed. But you know, God builds us into His church. Can we decide to pull ourselves out of that building and not to be built by Him? Have we got a right to do that? Even when other believers around us are making it uncomfortable for us and jabbing us with these edges that the Lord is still working on? Is it our call to deliberately pull ourselves away from a church? Well, here's the, the injunction from Scripture. Unless they are breaking a principle from God's Word, we are to stay there and be built by Jesus Himself. He is the master builder, not us. We need to be built up by Him. We are living stones being built by Him. He calls us further to be a holy priesthood. If you look down in your text over there, halfway through verse 5, we are to be built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Now, just the terminology that the Apostle is using here speaks about the Old Testament temple, and I'm sure that came to mind as you were reading through that. We are to be built up stones priesthood. All right? Speaking about the, the Old Testament temple, And what the Apostle Peter is bringing here is he's bringing to mind Old Testament worship and the way the people would bring their sacrifices week in, week out to the priests who would then serve and sacrifice these sacrifices before the Lord and the priests would mediate between these individuals and God. That was the role of the priests. But he says, the Apostle says, there's no longer any place here for a special office of priests to mediate. Don't let men tell you anything else. There is no man who must stand between you and God. You have direct access to the Father now. That is why Christ died. That is why the temple curtain was torn in two. There is direct access to God. No one needs to mediate for you. Each believer now has direct access through the death and resurrection of Christ. But you see, every believer is also to serve as a priest. So what's he saying here? Is he saying we need to start bringing animals here to Wanganui's Baptist and we need to have someone out there with a knife so we can start sacrificing? Is that what he's saying? No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying we are to look at our text. We are to continually offer our bodies to God for his service. That's one way we can serve as priests. Why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, please. I'm going to flick through a few verses here and I want you to see it in the in the text of Scripture for yourself. How are we to serve as priests now in 2010 before our Lord while we are to offer our bodies to God for His service? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is what it says. Look at the language used here. 
Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, here's the word, service of worship. You see, by bringing yourself and by coming to serve God here, and by serving Him every day in your life, you are offering an acceptable sacrifice of worship to Him. You see, that's what true worship is about. It's not just coming here and singing songs and putting on songs in your car and playing songs and singing them. Yes, that's worship, but that's part of worship. True worship is, yes, singing those songs, but it is offering our bodies in service to God. Turn to Philippians 4 verse 18, please. You see, because we talk about another way of serving God here. It's by the giving of our material gifts and of our wealth, that which God has given to us, to enable the spread of the gospel. And in this passage in Philippians 4 verse 18, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter of thanks to the Philippians for the gift that they sent him. But note the language he uses, and that's the relevance of our text here. Philippians 4.18. He's thanking him for the gift they sent him, and he says, it's a fragrant aroma. You see the sacrificial language? An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He doesn't just say, thank you for the gift. He said, it is an, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. Why? Because you've given something that God has given you, you've given of yourself back to God so that the kingdom can be extended. So yes, we are to give. Yes, we are to bring our material gifts. Yes, we are to give our service and our time to God because that is part of our worship of Him. That is part of the role of being a priest before Him. Thirdly, there's the singing of songs of praise to God and by corporate prayer. And males, you need to listen to this. Yes, singing is God-glorifying. Whether you're making musical notes when it comes out, that's a different issue. Alright? It might not sound musical to you, but God hears it and it is a pleasing sacrifice to Him when we come and offer songs of praise to Him. Corporate prayer before Him, as we did this morning. Turn to Hebrews 13. This is where I get it from. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. And yes, that is saying thanks to Him. That is praying to Him. If you look at other texts that have to do with this text. And it is singing songs with our lips to Him. Because He's given us that gift of music. And so we are to sing songs of praise to Him. That is part of what the the priests would do. They would lead the people in praise of God, singing songs of praise to Him. And then fourthly, by the doing of good and sharing our possessions. And just keep your finger there in Hebrews 13 and look to verse 16. And it says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And so you see, in the same way that the Old Testament priests came and served the Lord, There are some practical ways that we can serve the Lord too. We can bring our service to Him. We can come and give our material gifts to Him, bring our sacrifices. We can come and sing here on a Sunday morning songs of corporate praise. We can sing those songs of worship in our car while we're driving. We can come here and pray. And then we can come and share and look after each other too. 
And so you see, just as the Old Testament priests served, we as New Testament believers are to sacrifice ourselves. So you see, corporate worship is not about coming here and going through the motions, but it's coming here and coming to be, to serve and to serve the rest of the believers here. Corporate worship is about serving. But our text carries on there. It says to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, without the Lord Jesus Christ, anything that we would do would be worthless. Because then it would be works, wouldn't it? And nothing that we can do without Christ has any value to God. Because then we are going through the motions. Because God only sees what Christ has done. And so God only sees what we do if Christ's blood covers us in what we are doing. So no amount of good works, no unselfish service, no gifts that you bring, doesn't matter how large that check is, it's all worthless if you are not a believer in God. It cannot bring you any closer to God. We have to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living stone. And only that that I bring, energized by the Holy Spirit, has any value in God's sight. Because God measures everything by Christ Jesus Himself. And we're going to look at that next. Here's the third stone that we come to in our text, verse 6. He is a cornerstone. And here's our great comfort this morning. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone. And that's not as in New Zealand choice, as in great. Okay, It is a selected stone. A choice stone. A precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. You see, Peter can't stay away from his theme of Christ here. And he's very quickly back onto that theme. He says, this living stone has been shaped by God for a very specific purpose. You see, he has a very specific position in this building which God is building. He is the cornerstone. And the cornerstone in in the times in Israel, if you th- anyone's been to Palestine, you have those white stones that have been carved out and shaped and chiseled into very specific shapes. And the cornerstone it's, itself was laid on top of the foundation. So they built a foundation in the ground and then on top of it they laid a cornerstone. And then this cornerstone became the measurement by which the other walls were put up. So they would align the walls to this cornerstone on both corners And then they would build the walls up straight using whatever other techniques they had. It was the alignment stone, the cornerstone. It had a very specific position on the foundation of the building. The whole soundness of the building depended on that cornerstone being placed properly. You see, Peter says God has chosen and placed Christ as the cornerstone in his spiritual building, the church. Christ is the measure by which we as believers are measured. And that's why I said that nothing we do has any value unless it's done through Him. Because He is the measure. He is the cornerstone. How are you aligned to Him this morning? Are you in Him? Do you have Christ the cornerstone in you? Or are you still trying to align yourself by the things that you do without being in Him? You see, your faith in Christ is what matters. Not the Sunday by Sunday rituals we sometimes go through. 
You see, our faith is measured by Christ. He is a cornerstone, says our text. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and His righteousness. That's what the old hymn said. And that's where our comfort is this morning. He will not fail you. You see, our text says, He who believes in Him will not be disappointed. What an amazing text. You will not be disappointed. So tell me, are you going through times of crisis? Is there darkness all around you this morning as you think about what's coming in this week? When you think about your financial situation? When you think about things that have to happen at work? Does it all look dark to you? Well, believe in Him. He will not disappoint you. And here's the cry of the Gospel to you this morning. You see, Christ is your cornerstone during times of crisis. But maybe you are one of those, like me sometimes, who doesn't lean on Christ, but you kind of frantically look around for your own solutions to problems. That doesn't mean you just sit with your hands in pockets and rely on Christ. But is He the one I look at first and then find a solution to my problems? Or do I look to my checkbook first to get me out of my situations? Do I maybe look at my influential contacts first who can help me out of a pickle? Or do I look to my own Kiwi ingenuity to get me out of problems? Or my can-do attitude? Do I lean on Christ as the cornerstone when things come around me in life? And then fourthly, we see that He is a stumbling stone. And here's a warning to us today. And it's not to us as believers. It is to anyone here who is not a believer today. Look at what this text is saying. Christ is a stumbling stone. This is the warning of Scripture. You see, he adds this to those who reject Christ and don't believe Him. The stone that the builders rejected has become literally the head of the corner or the very or the chief cornerstone. You see what happens here? It's very interesting here. The whole role of this cornerstone changes in this verse in three ways. This, what was just a cornerstone, now becomes the very cornerstone, says Scripture. The chief cornerstone. And that cornerstone, where you had a building which had many rooms, you had cornerstones on every part of the building, but there was a very cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, which the whole building was aligned by. So all the rooms had their individual little cornerstone, but the very cornerstone was the one by which the whole building was erected and aligned by. And it was a very visible stone. It was, it was built in such a way that it stood out, that you could easily see it. It jutted out of the building. And Christ becomes that jutting out stone. You see, unbelievers think they can avoid Christ Jesus, but He juts out in life to them. And again and again they will come in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or again and again they will come in contact with believers who speak out or who live out their Christian faith and suddenly Christianity is in front of them. They are confronted by the very cornerstone. And our text says here, he becomes to them one who, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they are disobedient to word and to this doom they were also appointed you see, they hurt themselves on this rock. 
That's what the word means there. It juts out in such a way that they actually bump themselves on it. They fall over it. That's how the stone juts out. But there's a second way in which Christ is described here. He becomes to them a stone of stumbling. They cannot avoid him. doesn't matter how much they try to avoid him. They keep on falling over Christ Jesus. You just need to speak to people who have been converted and converted out of very dark times. And they will tell you how many times they stumbled over Christ. And it might have been one of those stumblings when their faces were turned to Him and they were converted because He kept confronting them. You see, men cannot through slyness, they cannot through dexterity, avoid and evade Christ in their unbelief. They will fall over Him unexpected ways. And if not in this life, then they will fall over him in the next life. Definitely. And that leads me on to the third way in which the stone has changed here. He's described here as a rock of offense. You see the stone has become a rock now. You see what Christ has become? And the word in the original changes from lithos here to Petra. He becomes a jutting out boulder which brings crushing you see the warning from Scripture? It speaks about a large embedded boulder. And it is so great that, that men can't shift this boulder. And then instead of trying to shift it, they just build the building on this big jutting out boulder. But to unbelievers, they also can't shift it. And it becomes a stone of crushing to them. And here you need to understand a little bit about warfare in the time when this was written. And remember, the apostle was writing in a time here when the Romans were fighting their wars. And one of the ways they, they tried to set traps for people was in narrow passes. They would set up large boulders and they would roll large boulders in such a way so that when a specific trigger rock or trigger um, stick was pulled away, then the whole lot would tumble down and crush everyone underneath. And sometimes in Africa I've seen how they try and catch little rabbits that way too. They'll put a big rock up with a, sto- with a stick and then they'll pull it out. Or the rabbit will somehow pull out this um, stick by, the, by its movements and the rock will fall on top of it. Now it's the same word here. It crushes them. That word it, it becomes to them a rock of offense. In the original language that word offense means a trigger. He becomes to them a trigger rock. In other words, when men reject Christ and find offense at His word, they release the trigger of God's judgment on them. Instead of being the one that they build their lives on, He becomes the one that crushes them. Because isn't that what's going to happen to to people who don't believe? When Christ comes again, there is going to be a time of judgment. And instead of being the one that, that holds them up, Christ Jesus will be the one that brings judgment on them. What a sober warning to us this morning. If you reject Christ and the gospel, it is literally a matter of life and death. I want us to go away from this text built up today. Are you still with me? See this glazed look come over sometimes, I wonder. Alright, let's just recap quickly and then we're done. What have we looked at? Glance back at this text, verse 4. Let's get our comfort from this text. His work of redemption gave us life in 
Jesus Christ. We are in Him. We are living stones, like Christ is a living stone. What does that mean for you and I? It means that like Christ, we also become the focus of His mercy, and we are choice stones, and we are chosen and precious to God. Have you taken comfort from that this morning? When God sees you, He sees a choice. He has chosen you. He has put His finger on your life. He has chosen you and put His wall around you. That's what the original word means. You are His. And you are precious to Him. He sent His only Son, His precious Son, to die for you. And so we can build our lives on Christ, the firm foundation, which is not affected when we go through hard times, like in the South Island now, when all around us is falling down and your very house falls down around your ears, at least you know that in Christ I stand. And they cannot take Christ Jesus away from me. And though Neville was lying on a bed, his body could go from this earth. But you could not take Christ Jesus from him. His spirit is with him. Do you have Christ the living stone as your foundation? If you're an unbeliever here today. Let's take comfort from the fact that He is shaping us and that as we look around us over here, He is shaping us to sit and to sit tightly with those around us here. And we are to look after each other. We are to serve each other in Christ. We are to look after because Christ is building us up. We can take further encouragement here that we can trust Him and believe in Him. And our text said, we will not be disappointed. You see, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, what does our verse say? The hymn said, all other ground is sinking sand. We can stand on Christ and build in Him. He will not let us down. He connects us to each other. He builds up the church. Not just here in Whanganui, but worldwide. He is building His church. So don't believe those statistics that you see on the internet that says Christianity is on the decline. I saw it this week. Woe is us. Give up. Christianity is dying. No. Christ has been building His church and the very gates of hell will not prevail against Him and His church. You just look at any stats for countries that have been under persecution and see how the church grows there. Yes, it might be dying in the West, But in those countries where they've been persecuted, that church is thriving. Christ is building His church. And then as we look at each other, and Christ building us, let's give selfless service, not just to Him, but to each other. And then I've left the word of warning again to the last. If If you're an unbeliever here today, please hear God's word of warning coming out to you today. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. You've heard that four times this morning. I pray that it goes into your heart. And you know, if you need to find out more, go around the back over here, grab one of those gospel DVDs that we've been using with great fruit and look at it and find out, how do I become a Christian? If you're not sure, make sure today. But don't go from this place, having heard that message four times and turning around and rejecting Christ because He will become a trigger rock to you then. It's not me saying that. That is God's word this morning. Let's pray together. Let's come before our God who's brought us this word. Let's come to this great rock and foundation and commit ourselves to Him for this week.
Lord Jesus, as we come to you this morning, we pray that as you shape us and as you mold us, Lord Jesus, that we would fulfill those purposes that you have designed for us. And that as you build your church, Lord, you would have us be a part of that. That we would, through our unstinting service, not just to you, but to each other, be holy priests, New Testament priests, as we give you service. And Lord, help us to build on you the one solid foundation. And not try and get through this life on our own strength as believers. But to build on you the solid rock, the solid foundation, the very cornerstone of the building. And Lord, in light of everything that's been happening this week, we, look, we ask you too that you would help us to look forward to that singing that will happen one day when we are with you. When we sing with a church victorious, great and marvelous are your works. O Lord God the Almighty, righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Lord, we look forward to that day when we can stand with Neville with all those who have gone before us, with the Old Testament prophets, priests and kings who were of you, and that we can together stand, even with the Apostle Peter, and stand and glorify you together. The risen church, the glorified church, and all because of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the living stone. Lord, we give you glory this morning. In your name we ask this.